we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. Today, I'm so happy to be joined by some legends in our Melee community who are still, even to this day, someone involved on Smash Twitter, one of the best places on earth, allegedly. I'm so happy to be joined by Kish Prime and Kish Squared, who Kish Prime goes by Tim in real life, Kish Squared goes by Jeff. You can all call me Jesse. I'm not using my usual interview overlay today because I couldn't get it figured out in time, but that's okay. I'm so happy to be joined by by both of you. So we'll start with Tim. I just want to introduce yourself a little bit, tell the people what you do or or highlights about what you've done. Sure. My name is Tim Kish. Tag is Kish Prime. Was a Jigglypuff player primarily from 2004 to 2007. I have uh, run a few tournaments with Jeff's help and others, uh, both the Melee FC series starting back in 2004. Uh, some tournaments before and after uh, we hit Mega Man, uh, Mega Man, uh, Melee FC. We'll get to that later. Yes. Melee FC Legacy in uh, 2012 uh, was a, a big point. Uh, Diamond in 2007, and then uh, we did return in 2014. So periodically, I've come back from time to time to run an event here and there, and then, as you mentioned, Smash Twitter is occasionally a place I delve into from time to time. And yes, on yeah. to you, Kish Squared. Yes, on to you, Jeff. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff. And, you know, I think my big claim to fame is that I started going to tournaments in 2003. So when I start showing up to tournaments and I sit down to play matches these days, sometimes I'm playing with somebody who's younger than my Smash career. So um, as you can tell by the, you know, lack of hair here and the graying hair here, you know, we're we're getting on in years. Mine looks pretty good still. Yeah, yours. Tim's got the full head of hair. Um, I don't know what I was gifted and, and, you know, to make up for that, but um, I'm older than him. So I'm just gonna say this is gonna last a long time. Tim is the older brother. I am the, uh, younger brother of the two of us. And yeah, we, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun back in the two thousands. We hosted again, that melee FC, uh, tournament series. Uh, certainly that was a big part of, uh, the early melee days. It was a big part of what made crew battles known. And there's just a lot of history that we got to be a part of just because right place, right time, you know, we're college kids discovering other kids, other people online who know melee. And so found Smashboards, And like I said, just kind of got plugged in early. So happy to be here. Don't want to sell you short on something significant though, that I think shouldn't go uh, without being said that you are the champion of melee FC two, right? I was told that there was only a few people in that bracket, but you, you came That's out on true. top. Yes. Um, I believe I might've won FC five as well. Oh, you might've, I think FC five. Um, One of them was you, me yeah. and Emily. His yeah. wife is now wife. <laughs> <FC5>. <laughs> um, two, I think was actually a legitimate bracket. With the ship, yeah. wasn't it? Wasn't Josh it was. involved in that one as well? Yeah, and the that joke was what we were developing our post for Melee FC three. So there was always been some question as to where our numbers came from. We claim every one of them existed at one point or another. We just haven't always broadcasted them with enough time for people to make it to our homes. Well, it's not <laughs> the, our fault. Being the crew name was Ship of Fools, we certainly tried to poke fun at norms in a lot of cases. And so one oh, of yes. them was simply that um yeah well we had fc1 and so we decided to host fc2 on our own our own little group of friends we posted the results the next day as if hey you all missed fc2 and then i think we that same day or maybe the next day we actually posted our announcement for hey fc3 um and so truly the you know as far as the rest of the world was concerned fc to fc3 there's a lot of head scratching at that point but you know we were just having fun because <laughs> that's what we did we did a lot of 
offsetting things take seriously. Another thing worth noting at our age is I was pretty much the oldest person in the committee, minus like two active smashers in the yeah. community, like back when we started. So yeah. just to be clear, we're really old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that there's any shame in that though, because it's really cool to hear no matter what, no matter what age you are, if you really like gaming, if you really like Melee in particular, there's a community here of people who are probably going to match your age in some degree. You you make sure that if somebody who is, yes, not in not necessarily 18 anymore is is wanting to get into Melee, oh, look, there's somebody who's, you know, kind of like, like matched in the age. Oh, you have kids too. Oh, they're in their teens as well. Yes. Okay. This is cool. You know, it's more more than one thing in common. That's always nice to have, especially when you first get started. I wanted to, yes, before talking about the fact that Melee will be itself turning 20 here at the end of November, as we sit here talking on November 2nd, is Mega Man Arena, which is a project that has been going for three plus years now and was, I think, started officially by you, Jeff. Is that correct? 2018 or so? Or the beginning of 2018? (laughs) <laughs> I started coding it, yeah, in 2016. I want to say that 2018 is when I first released it. So gotcha. I, I, my, I, I grew up playing, again, we're old, so we grew up playing NES games, the classic Mega Man games. I mean, I remember when Mega Man 3 came out and we went to the video store to rent it because we rented all of our games back then. And, uh, you know, I just always loved all of the Mega Man characters. And so some at some point it became part of my bucket list to create a fighting game with all of the Mega Man characters and using all the NES graphics. So uh, for those who played the games, you know, like Metal Man and Wood Man and Heat Man. And and then, you know, throughout the entire series, there's just dozens of these robot masters. And I just thought, boy, just throw them all in and just have them shoot at each other. And it doesn't even need to be like a good game. It just needs to be something that I can throw on a screen and say that I made that. Um, and Prime, actually, he, he kind of clued me into this game maker uh, kind of deal. So there's Game Maker out there, kind of like Unity. It's just a way of coding your games. It's where Undertale was made. That's one of the biggest games that's known within the Game Maker space, I believe. A few others, you know, Rivals. Ether is a big one. And so, uh, you know, I, I found some tutorials on how to get it going, and I just, you know, started piecing it together based on this engine I found that, you know, some somebody, uh, in fact, a lot of people might know the game Mega Man Maker, uh, that was like a Mario Maker clone, but for Mega Man, a great fan game that has an active community and continues development. Uh, the person who created that game uh, kind of helped me get started with mine, actually. And so it's based on the same engine that he built. And uh, we, you know, I leave it to an old Melee player. You know, of course, I'm not just going to, in the end, throw characters in there to have them shoot at each other. I wanted it to be a little bit technical. So I threw some things in there like wave dashing. You know, Mega Man was known for being able to slide. Well, if you start a slide and hit backwards, they'll pop up and slide backwards, right? Just like a wave dash. And so um, eventually Tim got involved with the project and started really helping me get even more characters made. And we have a pretty active community with tournaments and everything. It's it's turned into something bigger than I ever thought it might be. But um, it's it's a lot of fun being on the development side of one of these fighting games and, and even being part of a community that's trying to figure out, okay, which characters are too good or too bad and how to balance and all kinds of fun conversations. But you're saying it's fun as compared to challenging. That's interesting. I like hearing that though. Challenge is part of the fun for sure. Okay. Um, Yeah. Nothing easy is, you know, worth doing or whatever the phrase is there. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah. I mean, I, I don't consider myself a developer or coder. I obviously have done enough to figure out how to make this game, but 
Uh, Tim actually does so much to bring in, you know, actual good coding practices to make it so other people can get their hands in it because we have several developers now. And so um, it's been more about creating the experience that I think I had envisioned in my head. And sometimes the ends justified the means and Tim comes in behind me and cleans up the code. So <laughs> it's a good definitely good. have different strengths. I will I will agree with that in this sense. Jeff will get a project off the ground and do things. And that's something you need in any project in life if anybody's listening to this. And so at some point you just have to do things and get them off the ground, even if they're not pretty, even if they're not planned all the way. You know, just start things. And it's uh I, I think it's fascinating. They they talked about um, Splatoon for Nintendo was their next big franchise. They decided it was going to be their next big It was a competition between 100 game prototypes to choose the one they thought was the special one. They had to have 100 different teams build 100 different prototypes, to, and, and, and they ditched 99 of them. As far as I know, they didn't make any of those other 99 prototypes. Wow. So it's it's something where there's in, in art and in game design and all these things you do, there's value in just kind of getting and just making and just making and making and making and making. And then when you have something that's good, then start cleaning it up and start making it better. And there's always there's always going to be hazards to that. But a lot of them you aren't going to be able to predict anyway until you've made a few games, until you've made a few projects. We've I've gone back and... Oh man, I hate all the like, yeah, as much as I cleaned up, there's still stuff I look back on that just absolutely hate that I've done because it's just awful now from where I'm currently sitting uh, looking back at it. So it, it's it's been it's great to work with Jeff. We work on his novels too from time to time. He has a few novels that he's working on and has put out there in the past, but he's wrapping up his work on his five five book young adult series yet again to finally get them all out there. And uh, and so I've worked with him on editing those, making those better too. And he, I mean, we end up with, I say we, he makes, I I edit, and we end up with pretty good product. And it's it's a great relationship. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for having the right people with the right responsibilities. So, and it's I even more amazing when you just happen to be born into the same family as well, because this is this is this this has gone on for more than just since you were out of melee. I mean, working together to run tournaments also like. And it started even when you were just kids, of course, like building up a relationship that's lasted for so long and been able to make so many different things. But taking something and just saying, you know what, I don't have any semblance or idea of how to necessarily do this, but here's a starting point. Here's my first straw to grasp at. That was me with doing the podcast. And yes, I will look back on this episode that we're recording right now someday and be angry at myself for not being able to figure out the overlay to have us all fancy and such. But I was like, no, we should just do it because that's been my, I have tried very hard to throw out the perfect then go mindset for a long time. And this podcast is part of like me trying to push that out. So that definitely resonates with me. And now, like you said, megamanarena.com for those who are interested, there's discord, there is tutorials on how to get it going, character descriptions and something that I was reading on the website today for you, Jeff, like your kids actually help you out with this. That is such a cool concept for me because I have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. So they're not quite uh, gamers yet, hopefully in the semi near future, but like having them <laughs> say, Oh, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing, dad? Oh, that looks cool. I'll help. And I'd be, I'd just be like, yes. So could you just please talk about that for a little bit, how that started to happen? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Tim and I, we both are blessed to have families, kids who um, are just continue to wow and amaze us every single day. 
know, I, I'm, I got started a little earlier, so I do have some older kids than Tim. My oldest is 13 at this point, but when I started the project, I mean, he was eight, I want to say. And so I had an eight and a six and a four-year-old at the time and the eight and six-year-olds, they just, they're like, can we make our own characters? They used to play a game, hot man and cold man. And so one of them was, you know, had fire powers and one of them had ice powers and they just, you know, go and tackle each other. And, um, you know, just like I used to do when I was growing up. So I loved it, but um, they wanted to make those characters in Mega Man Arena, and so I gave them, you know, basically I set them up with an art program and said, here, you know, take a picture of Mega Man and just sort of make what you'd think they would be. And so they're both just in... I added them as secret characters. If you enter the Konami code at the main menu, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, uh, you will find these characters are added in, as well as, at this point in the game's life cycle, a few other original characters that we've added in. So if you turn on the game, it's just all Mega Man characters. You enter the secret code. You'll see a few um, community creations as well. But yeah, I mean, just to have them be, you know, be doing that, uh, you know, at eight and six was was pretty fantastic. Actually, my uh, at the time, six year old, I think it was just last year. He was 10. He was like, you know, I don't really like those sprites I made four years ago. So, so can I redo them? And he just he created a brand new art style and put it in there. And I just love the way the character looks. They were both just Mega Man clones to start with. Yeah. Um, now one really has its own kind of personality, um, and 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 fan a, art. We the people have been posting Hot Man and Cool uh, Man hot fan art all week. <laughs> the Hot Man and Cold Man. Well, we had to rename him Cool Man because we realized there actually is a Cold Man in the Mega Man universe, so it's now yeah. Hot Man and Cool Man. But yeah, <laughs> seeing the fan art can be really funny, but really good. I just yeah. it, it uh, wows me and impresses me. But these communities kids, are great for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. Um, kids these days with YouTube, I, I say that as an old man, right? Kids these days with YouTube, they can do anything and they, they, you can sit down and they can watch a YouTube video on how to do something and they can figure it out. And, uh, you know, just having that youthful energy and, and the time to, to do it, they, they go nuts on things. And my oldest is, he's got a YouTube channel now and he's putting out YouTube content for a VR game he likes to play. So I, I suppose I should plug his YouTube channel. It's Kiss Shark. Oh, K -I -S yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd, he'd, <laughs> I'm sure he'd appreciate that. But he's got 2,000 subscribers already. I'm like, geez, you know, it's oh, yeah. a 13-year-old. That is fantastic. Um, and just just killing it with the content, learning how to video edit it, learning, how, learning what works and what doesn't, you know. And he's, he runs videos and like, okay, this one did well and this one did not. And so I... It's really, it's, it's something else, you know, I mean, kids, uh, the, the older, the, at every phase of life, they're impressing you with something. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. We, we both homeschool. So that gives us a lot of extra time too to devote to, for the kids to devote to their other pursuits and pieces like that, which is really nice when you can do it. Obviously it's not something every family can do for a lot of different reasons. We're fortunate that we're able to do that and we do it because, well, we have, we have slightly different reasons, I'm sure. But, yeah. you know, for us, it's just about you can't be a one-on-one -on -one education. It's very difficult. And both my kids love school and love learning. And so it's not even really that much of a challenge. But uh, it really, even if they are, you know, going to public schools and stuff like that, just finding ways to give them those inspirations, those moments of inspiration and to come alongside you when they want to, um, to build those relationships that will last the rest of your life when they decide they don't want to be with you all the time anymore. Yes. So I think that's all it comes down to. And they they'll take things and run with them i mean there's a lot of anti-screen warnings and stuff like that obviously both of our kids play enough video games but i mean you, there's something to be said about giving them that free space to think to do to practice and even just to inspire and, and let them take something and run with it it's pretty cool to see them in action
At this point, what I have is my daughter, Ellie, the three and a half year old, <clears throat> dragging a banana peel across the table and seeing what happens and just dragging it across like the peel where it's all sticky and gooey and just like going like, yeah, and I absolutely. go, but do you see what, Ellie, do you it's see fresh. what's happening? And she's going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Help me clean it up, please. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm excited to get to the part where, yes, there, there's there's more innovations than than just seeing what a banana peel is supposed to do when it gets dragged across different surfaces so yep it all starts it all starts the same place yes. they all and they all you have to go through every stage yeah. everybody has to learn what that what that does at a certain point in their life even us and then we move I past will, it, hopefully well i have to ask jesse you know does does ellie have you put an like an nes controller in her hand and just told her to you know make mario move yet i mean that's that's definitely within her skill set, I bet. Oh, yes, absolutely. She learned how to walk up to another. So ultimate because it's shiny and she's like, oh, look, it's Peach. It's Princess Peach. So she chooses Peach. She walks up to another character and she flexes the C-stick to do a smash attack. So that's where we're at presently. But yeah. There you go. Prodigy. Yeah. <laughs> Spam that C-stick. Could probably beat Tim. Probably. Oh. <laughs> He, I can't really talk. He pretty much two stocks me minimum every game in Ultimate. Unfortunately, I'm happy if I sneak one win off him in a play session. But yeah. melee, I think I could still beat but him. Tim, I was gonna say Tim has stayed sharp with melee. Where have I, I've moved on to the system that's easy to play on HD TVs. So, um, sure. but either way, yeah. We, we um I, the funny thing about kids though too is that they don't care what the graphics look like. Everything's just a style to them. Like they don't discern retro games from normal games. Like they just. It's all just a style. If it looks good and if they can understand what's going on the screen, it's cool. And they don't really, they've never, my kids have never discerned the age of a game by looking at it. That's interesting. And I think, I think you're absolutely right because I remember playing Legend of Zelda. I remember playing um, or Ocarina of Time on the 64 and thinking this is the greatest looking thing ever until, you know, I grow up a little bit more and look back and go, Oh my goodness. I just, just immersed <laughs> in the world. But I, I know exactly what you mean when you say that when I showed Ellie melee. I showed her melee. I said, "Look, Peach is still there." She played it for a little bit, and she just goes, "She's like, mm, I like the other one." So, I just figured it was had to do something with graphics. But you're probably up right on to the point where it's just more of like whatever the style happens to be, or the fact yeah. that the CRT. She's got designs on her dress, or she uses another move a little differently, or something like that. You know, it's all big things. HD TVs tend to be a little bit bigger, at least in our house, anyway. Yes. That helps. Yeah. Yes, that does help. Yeah. <laughs> okay so that's Mega Man Arena anyone who's interested please check that out there's a lot of cool stuff that's going on it's not just the hey let's do tournaments like you said fan art contributing in other ways that's really really cool to hear that has all kind of organically through the years leading up to today just kind of taken over and hopefully we'll get to celebrate its 20th anniversary at some point you, you never know it seems to be going strong enough to do that now but melee will be celebrating its 20th anniversary officially on november 21st here in a few weeks and one of the things that i thought of which is coming to fruition now having you both on to talk about just that fact but you know anything that comes to mind i'll i'll start by saying that i i over the years when I was considering trying to get into Melee, trying to enter in tournaments, never doing that until until this year, one of the things that I always thought to myself was, it can't last too much longer, right? I mean, how many revivals, how many different obstacles can a game overcome? Like when I, re I remember hearing about Evo and thinking, wow, Nintendo wants to shut down the broadcast. That's kind of weird. But I guess 
they have a new game coming out or whatever. So that makes sense, but it still kind of confused me, but I was too much of a casual. I wasn't all the way in at that point and seeing the documentary a few months later, I was like, Oh, this game's so cool. But that's, that's for me. Like in 2021 now I, I believe, okay, yep. That game just refuses to die. It's not going to die, but that's where I'm at. I'll turn it to you, Jeff. We can start with you. Like thoughts that you have about 20 years for melee. Oh, goodness. Yeah, no, I thought Melee was dead when Brawl came out. And I say that somewhat facetiously, but I really just, it was on. You don't, you don't. Every quote he said was said in 2006. New games come out anyway. Why bother learning Melee? It was, I heard all the same stuff at tournaments and people were talking already about, well, why don't we bother practicing when Brawl's coming out? People said that about Mario Kart Double Dash. I really remember seeing these dashboards post. I don't remember who said it, but it was like, Guys, this time next year, we'll all be playing Double Dash anyway, so who cares? Well, that person was wrong. <laughs> yeah, that person ended up being wrong. It's a great, It was a great game. But it was just unprecedented, this idea that we like nobody played 64. I mean, there was this fledgling community, right? I mean, Isaiah was the best known of the group, and, and we actually interacted with quite a few of the Smash 64 players, but it was like, what, 20 of them nationwide? And it, so, yeah, the idea was Brawl would come out, and it would probably have its warts. You know, it's probably not going to be exactly what we want. Um, nobody predicted how bad it would be. But and maybe that had became part of why Melee was was a good thing. But a lot of I will say this. A lot of people did move over to Brawl just kind of with that mentality of it's the new thing. Yes. You know, it's, it's we it's you know, it's new, it's shiny. Everybody owned it. I mean, like every single person who bought Melee bought Brawl and then some. And so um it just the mentality was this going to you know melee melee's dead and i at the time like really brawl came out in 2008 and a few months later um i lo- actually lost my job and i had to move a couple of states away to wisconsin and during that time i played a lot of brawl because brawl had online presence um i had two young kids just like you jesse right now um i wasn't really on smash boards a lot which was still kind of in its I think I can't remember when exactly Smashboard started to fade to Facebook groups. I think it was around that time, anyways. And so I wasn't really keeping tabs on the uh, the the tournament scene, and so I just kind of assumed for a couple of years that Melee was dead because I didn't hear anything about it, and I wasn't playing it myself, and I was enjoying Brawl for what it was, which was basically a way for me to play online with people. And uh, so, yeah, the fact that all of a sudden, you know, hearing about Mango, who's this Mango person and there's still Smash tournaments this large. And um, and that was kind of the the moment when I realized, like, wait a second. OK, Melee's Melee's still around. It didn't die. And maybe it's not going to die <laughs> with how bad we all started. to realize. At least for another year. Right. It's always for well, maybe another year, maybe another year. year. Yeah, yeah, when Smash Four comes out, you know they when Smash Four comes they, out. They Brawl's Warts tripping was a great ad, though. I'm surprised they took that one out. That was weird. Yeah, still can't believe. It's so surprising how they didn't push that on the Smash Dojo website, which I checked religiously every weekday. I was like, oh, new thing, new thing. But they never Us talked too, about yeah. tripping, like how awesome it was. It's interesting. Oh, that is strange. They sold it short. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I actually was a little more engaged because i had a little community in indianapolis where i was at the time and we i played brawl about six months with that group and we all tried to learn it we all tried to figure it out and then one of the what about six months in i said you know what i'm just bringing melee back out and i never went back i don't think i ever played brawl again i'm sure there might have been like one or two times in the future maybe i play online with somebody but 
that was it. I, I like no, I can't, I can't do it. I've, mm-hmm. I've never, I'm never going to play this game in any meaningful context because yeah. it just wasn't good. Project M obviously brought a lot of things back, yeah. and that was a lot, a lot of fun. So I got the Wii out again, and and I don't think I ever played Vanilla Brawl again the rest of my life. But it's one of those things where man i just is is crazy and the melee still continues to live to today i mean when we hosted so there was a brief time i was considering writing a book about competitive games and different things like that i went to a tournament with mango uh one of the show me your moves varieties which you know that has gone back quite a ways jeff won number two i believe they're on like 35 or whatever i don't know what they're on now um but nevertheless we went to one of these those finals just so everyone knows i'd be dark rain yeah, I know. Everybody, everybody around the country yeah. was crushed. That Dark uh, Rain. Everyone was crushed. People were more disappointed that Dark Rain won than anybody was excited or lost. Disappointed he lost than were excited that I won because he was so new and so. I mean, his Falcon was amazing to watch. Yeah. And then he lost, and everyone was just like, it was like a collective groan when I won. It's like, what? <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I, and, and Daniel and I were both, my, our other brother, Daniel and I, we were both groaning too because we were third and fourth so it was very almost left <laughs> but nevertheless uh moving on the, the mango i actually went to like show me your moves nine or whatever and i actually said ask mango if i could interview him for like 20 minutes well i ended up not like actually making the book unfortunately and i ended up keeping it on the device long enough that i had upgraded my windows and it was out of date on windows i actually still have it on uh this recording device I just noticed it over there. Mango's interview from uh, probably 2009. Assuming it turns on. <laughs> Assuming it still turns on. Uh, theoretically, it's on here, but I can't get it off without some kind of old Windows machine. Uh, I might be able to actually play it. It has a speaker. I just realized it has a speaker. I might be able to actually play it and like, record it on the internet. So maybe maybe that might be something to, to try and get off later, but I, I've been meaning to try and get it off for 10 years because I figure somebody would probably want to hear that. Uh, I'm, I'm the, one thing the I list of people is, who want to hear it, for sure. Yes, yes. And the one thing I remember that interview that he I said, do you really think there's that much left to go in this game? And he was just over the top, like, oh, yeah, there's so much left in this game. There's so much left to do. And I, I was skeptical. Like I was thinking at the time, I was skeptical. And this is back again, like 2009, 10, somewhere in there. Um, and so, yeah, and here we are 12 years later and Mango is still the one pushing the meta in some ways. And it's just, it's just, it, you couldn't you couldn't write a book where you would expect anything like that to happen to some extent. I mean, it, to, for a game like this to last this long and to still be pushed and with no patches to still not have game breaking issues, I just, it's, it's phenomenal. And it's still the greatest game I've ever played in competitive sense. And yeah. it's just unbelievable. I don't know. I think the moment for you when you were sort of converted from the mentality of is how many years left, oh, this is going to be a thing for a long, long time, probably was around the time of the way that you put it to me when we were going back and forth in uh, Twitter messages, you were saying that that FC Legacy was a really big deal for a lot of different reasons. But uh, one of the things was just how it was sort of like Samos wants to make a documentary about the melee scene. And so you go, well, I'll just put together a tournament. We'll put together a tournament. And then a lot of people will come out. You'll be able to get a lot of footage that you want or that you need and try to make all of those kind of things happen. And you got a lot of people who ended up becoming very, very big contributors to the melee scene. I mean, uh, like Gimmer going front page on Twitch for the first time with VGBC, Juggle Guy helping out with running bracket and those kind of those kind of big things, but also about just like 
after something like that happens, then a spirit bomb for Evo, the documentary comes out. You, you described it to me as Melee going eternal. Like it's not going to just fade away at a certain point. It's just always going to stick around. And to, to get to the 20-year mark, Melee is as strong as this ever has been, and that's amazing just to think about. It is. And, and, and that was that was the moment when I became confident that game wasn't going away. I mean, that was really it for me. And I think it was for a lot of people. I mean, that, and that's where, that's why we got the investment in the community that we've gotten since then, because that was the moment when, yeah, there's people who love this game and they're still going nuts. And the, the game is now five years past its last sequel and people are still going insane for this thing. And there was, there was a, um, it justified the value, right? Uh, the value proposition. And do should I start? Is it going away? Like I said, from 2006 until that point, I think it was still a question of, is it really worth it to get involved in this game, this old game, and have CRTs? And you know, as technology kept advancing, there was always that question of, do we do we do this? And um, you know, at that point, all the combination of those things—the dock, the spirit bomb. Legacy facilitated that. It obviously wasn't a big, necessarily a big thing itself, but I think it was behind a lot of that too. Um, we we actually did chip in a lot of uh, legacy earnings towards the spirit bomb at the end. Uh, that was a big thing that came out of that too. So uh, that was that was kind of cool. But it, it it like I said, it just kind of validated the investment. Anybody who was skeptical, anybody who was considering, anybody said, "Oh, this is a pretty cool game. I'm not sure I'm gonna like go crazy over it because it's probably gonna die tomorrow." That, that is the point at which it all became kind of the, those concerns were no longer an issue. And and it just continues to be refreshed. I mean, even Slippy, the release of Slippy probably Absolutely. just grew the community again. And, and you know, in between Smash games, because usually community grows the most, right? Six months yes. to a year after the new game comes out. Yes. That's when Melee community starts growing because <laughs> everybody realizes we're out there and, and they come over uh, because Melee is so good. But uh, that was a nice boost in between Smash games uh, to see that grow there. And I, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, it's it's nuts. And it's been a part of our lives, obviously, since it was released, one way or another. I still remember my first time playing it when Jeff brought it from, back from Meyer, right? Was it Meyer you got your GameCube? I got the GameCube, yeah. But remember, Smash was delayed a month. So. Right. Smash I came out after that. I sat in line at Meyer to get that GameCube. And in line was like, you know, around 10 p.m. Somebody else showed up. So Daniel and I went over there at like noon because PS2 had just like were lines everywhere. So we we're like, oh, boy, we better get over and get in line. Uh, <laughs> and we got there at noon and no one was there. So we went to advance on our Pokemon games at the cafe area. And we went back to the back, like repeatedly, nobody there, nobody there, nobody there. Finally, at 8 p.m., somebody else was there. So we sat down next to them. So despite being there like five hours before them or eight hours, whatever it was, we were second and third in line for the GameCube. Uh, and there were no supply issues. <laughs> let, let it be known that Jeff and Daniel got the second and third GameCube sold in South Bend, Indiana. We went home and played Monkey Ball. Yep. Uh, that, that was, was the only game. And I really didn't want to buy Luigi's Mansion because it didn't look good to me, but. Um, it's funny you brought up that Twitch thing because I actually I, I was digging through over here and I found I I screenshotted that uh, the uh, when Gimmer was on the front page of Twitch. Oh, you did? I don't yeah, have that. I've got a couple of them from Tuesday, August fourteenth of two thousand and twelve. Uh, looks like my laptop was plugged in. That's good. I was getting some juice there, but yeah, I've got two different uh, 
two different screenshots. One of uh, commentating looks like a Dark Reign match actually, and funny enough, Kazuya's in the background. I don't know, like whatever they were advertising must have been a Tekken thing because I see Kazuya That's there. Funny. Uh, it has nothing to do with with what was streaming. Foreshadowing but... the plot. Yes. Right. Narrative. The narrative. The writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's funny. The back uh, yeah, the, uh, the back room. So, Legacy yeah. was such a... Oh, you want to talk about the back room? We can go back to that if you want. Oh, no, the yeah. Legacy was such a cool event. So there's two tournaments that I really feel like were special. I mean, like, in just really community-altering ways. Obviously, um, Legacy, as we've kind of already alluded to, um, you know, Samox took a post that I had written with all the like biggest moments in Melee history, constructed a whole documentary, called me up and said, hey, can I talk to you? I got these ideas and I want to talk to you about them. I'm like, cool, great. And I'm talking to him and saying, oh yeah, this is great. I'm going to help you out. Let's, this, is, this is going to be awesome. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And so he came out and he did his thing and uh, we set up the tournament. And obviously a lot of things came out of that. And there were just so many leaders in the, in the community, that thing. And, you know, this first big project M National at the time. Uh, yeah. Strong Bad ran that. We had, uh, you know, obviously Jungle Guy, Emily Waves, a lot of the people on staff that were all leaders. Blur. Um, I invited Blur to come out because he and Jungle Guy were really big kind of leaders in a presence-wise at the time, at that time, at 2012. And I just kind of to both of them, like, I love what you guys do on Smash Bros. You do great things to the community. Like, would you love, would you come out and help? And uh, Blur wanted to, but he couldn't. But he did tell me later that he said that that inspired him to consider uh doing video games for a career that conversation like really had him thinking for the first time like oh maybe i should actually do this like for like making things and creating and doing things like that so that was kind of cool that he told me that after the fact i don't know maybe he was just being nice to me but nevertheless it was still really cool to hear that but that was a cool center point for a lot of weird things that happened after the fact uh melee fc obviously was the other big one for all the the reasons of it really being the, the first true national um, in, in many, many ways. There was not a national before that. You'd be a tournament go. You'd have a few people fly out from each area at most. Uh, there'd be other, you know, uh, game overs. In Matt Deasy's like house that. still. Like, like everybody's yeah, crowded into a house. Yes. Yeah, yeah, in a house. That's a good point. Hadn't considered that. But yeah, I mean, just to have a venue um, was pretty rare at the time too. And... So it was Melee of C3 was just, it built off of one. We did the same kind of thing, but made it bigger. One was three days, uh, but it was, or was it three days? It no, was it was three. two days. It was three days, but it was optional. On the first did, day, you could hang out. We did a low tier tournament Thursday night yeah. on the first time. And the crew battle, the first crew battle. That was on Thursday night? I thought that was, yeah, it might have been. I don't, I don't know. I thought it was, but it might, you're right. It might have been later. That was our first, that was our first, like, here's what a crew battle is, everybody, because nobody <laughs> knew. And so, yeah, people had a lot of fun with it. Go figure. Yep. And that was featured in the documentary, too. They talked about it a lot. There was no real footage, but he interspersed nice other old footage to make it look like it was real footage. <laughs> Nevertheless, the, the, um, the Melee FC3, though, it really, in so many ways, true national. M3D and I were both in Elkhart at the time, uh, working at the same place, GameStop, and you know Just we were Indiana. <laughs> what was that? Was it which is in northern Indiana? You said in northern Indiana. Indiana. Thank you. Yes, yeah. near near South Bend. And uh, what? And we were reviewing all this stuff we had put together and talking through it all and all that. And you know, we just looked at. It, we said forty-seven of the top fifty players in the country are here by our measure. And and that was just un, wholly unprecedented to have that many people there at one tournament. 
uh, and and all for that regional crew showdown that everybody was looking forward to because it had never happened before and there hadn't been that kind of interaction between the regions before so that was that was resounding effect on the community from there that was really a special event in, in so many ways from there diamond was special too but in different that that was different i think that was a really good tournament like probably arguably the best run tournament we've had out of all of them in my opinion i don't know what jeff's opinion is on that but diamond was just smooth and and so many people for years still tell me that diamond was like amazing people i don't even i didn't remember going i mean even scar has talked about how much diamond was an influence on how amazing it was and how how, how big of a tournament that was for him back in the days and things like that so yeah it was it, those are really special events all three of those yeah and so I wanted to make sure that there was a little bit of a conversation about, I'm talking to Jeff here who came up with crew battles and a tweet a few weeks ago or a week ago when Ludwig's doing a $20,000 Nickelodeon all-star brawl crew yeah. battle and everybody's still running off the stage to make sure the stock count is correct. And I think it was like something to the effect of no one's going to want to do that. <laughs> I just looked at I was incredulous. I'm like you're you're telling me people are gonna run off the stage like just and this is gonna be a thing. Like people are gonna do this, like run off the stage and then like do a count what are they gonna do? They do a countdown? Well yeah, that's what they do. So okay. it's just it's just hilarious. I, I just it, well, it's so think. funny. Here's the thing. Okay, so before we had Melee FC one, the year before that, we had just this is two thousand three. We had just gone to Snexus two, which was a big Chicago tournament in June of two thousand three. And of course, we're all just like have that youthful energy, like we should host a tournament. I'll bet we could do it in our church. And so that's what we ended up doing. We rented the church gymnasium. We had like, what was it? Like 30 people, maybe 40 people come down. I don't even think it was that big. It was like 25. No, it was 21. It was like 21 or 19. Oh, gosh. Was it that small? And I screwed up the pools because I made three pools of eight and I learned a valuable lesson that day. (laughs) See, we had our learning moments too. Oh yeah, no, we definitely had learning moments. Uh, at, yeah, I've got I've got lots of funny things I did early on before I actually learned competitive game theory and all those good things. Oh yeah. So that tournament was called Midwest Challenge, and we just affectionately, in hindsight, call it FC Zero because it was at the FC Church. We started having conversations at that church among several Smashers. We're like, you know, all these classrooms around. I bet people could sleep in here. We could probably rent out the gym for a few days. Um, but I really wanted to have this crew battle concept. And so we went ahead and had the crew battle, except, um, I, we just decided to run it the traditional way, which was the winner stays in and refreshes all of their stocks. And so I just really didn't, you know, it went exactly how it usually does where, you know, we threw in Kish cubed, our younger brother, and he swept through the entire Chicago crew that we were playing against. We got down to Eddie. Eddie wiped out everybody in our crew down to me. And then... Because I went in, I got to go in, I got to choose the stage, I took him to Jungle Japes, Fox versus Ganon, and I won. Go figure. <laughs> uh, and so it's like, well, that, that kind of felt lackluster. And so uh, we, you know, after talking to Tim and, yes, having the, the now legendary conversation about this is how I think it should work and him, you know. That was before that crew battle. Well, I okay. talked you out of doing it that way to start with. Okay, and fair. Then, then we did it that way. That's right. And so either way, I was like, I want to do it. I want to try it this way. And so the group of us, not, you know, Tim was just happened to not be there. Right. <laughs> but uh, me and Kish Cubed, which is our younger brother, who's uh, unfortunately passed away now. Um, but also Joshua and Iggy, the four of us went up to Chicago and played against Ed. Uh, uh, yeah. Eddie, Eduardo, Edgar and Omar, which is their their Chicago crew. And so it was four on four. 
And so after having some, you know, one-on-ones and just playing around, we were like, hey, let's let's try this crew battle thing real quick. Well, all we did the entire rest of the time was crew battles because they were just <laughs> so much fun. And so I came back and reported that to Tim and we'd be like, okay, well, we should try it that way. But I don't remember if we did anything with the idea until FC1. I don't know that we did. We post anything about an idea. Like no, it we never posted about it. It was just something that we... Like, yeah, hey, let's, I, let's try this at our next tournament that we, we hope. We want to run side events because, again, that's that whole yeah. concept of you want everybody to have something to do the whole time there and not just go 0 and 2. And We tried really hard to make it our, at our events. Obviously, we had the luxury of time in a three-day event, but we really wanted everybody to come and feel like they didn't just get, you know, to and out and then they go home. And so, yeah, that's where we used round robins, but it's where we had these side events. And so Crew battles, we, crews were very big then, too. I mean, crews, crews. Yeah, yeah. Everybody believed their crew was the best in the country and everybody wanted to prove it in one way or another. And there was a lot of local pride that, you know, the more, the, the larger the community got, the less that, that all went away. It became more about the individual. So there's no, there's no, I mean, there are a few crews out there, but, you know, Ship of Fools was a crew. We had, you know, Punch Crew from Canada. We had the Columbus, Ohio crew. Um, and just all kinds of, you know, everyone was a crew. I hop. Uh, yeah. Gosh. And, yeah, there were, there were fantastic names. International House of Pain. But somehow, because because some of these players who came into FC1, especially, you know, Ken and Azen and Isaiah, but also some of the others who traveled in, you know, there had been so many debates about which is better, East Coast and West Coast, and all they could point to was, well, who wins the tournaments when they the best show up? Well, it's Ken. Ken wins, so the West Coast is better. And the East Coast is like, no, Azen plays them tight, and also Azen gets second, and like, well, Isaiah gets third and well, but sometimes, you know, they, nobody knew which crew was really, which side was really best. Nobody, you know, it was just at the time, it was just a, a game of, you know, hurling insults at each other. It was every week too. There'd be a topic. Who's, who's better, East Coast or West Coast? Every week, somebody would start the topic up. And so somebody and, thought that it would be a good idea to use the crew battle to really establish this. Um, as, well, no, I can, I can give the history of that. That was, that was canon. West firing at sniping at each other and yet another uh, one of these threats. yeah yeah ken and west were sniping at each other about east coast versus west coast they were usually the ones it was either as an as a never got involved directly no, he was no, never yeah. one of the people that did either that. did isaiah by the way <laughs> no dude isaiah it was always ken and man of cloud versus west and chillin dude and that was the, <laughs> that was about it uh those were the two that drove most of the fighting and uh they were they were talking about running some kind of showdown or whatever. And I just popped in one threads. I'm like, Hey guys, we'll just do it at FC. And they're all like, okay, I, I don't know how that works, but it did. And, uh, the, uh, your career there. Yeah, no, well, I mean, we, we had a successful national under our belts at that point, And TG was off the radar. They had pretty much shut down at that point. So that was it. Like, and it was in the middle of the country. So there was kind of some semblance of neutral ground. It wasn't making like, since they were the two powers, you know, they didn't want to, they, they, they didn't have to like travel to the other side of the country. They could both kind of travel in the middle of the country, but I don't think they expected to be in South Bend necessarily. <laughs> you know, they, that wasn't maybe the city they were hoping for, but nevertheless, they all came in, in force too. Uh, crews that Skypal, I don't think ever went in, in, as a crew to another tournament uh, outside the West Coast. And that's, that's how much the crew pride mattered and the West Coast yeah. versus the East Coast pride mattered. Yeah, they all came out. It was, uh, it was nice. And travel. Yeah. So we, the only people we're missing were a couple. We missing Neo on the East Coast, uh, Zulu in the South, and who was the third one? 
of your top 50, 47 yeah. of the top 50 were there. Try to remember who the other one that was. Is that is just insane. That's hard right. to do nowadays. I mean, obviously COVID, but <clears throat> you could you could have the big house or or Genesis, and you would still have a hard time getting all fifty of top fifty ranking players show up at an event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can get top sixteen or top twenty with right incentives. Top fifty is a lot. It's that is. It's still. I always think that nowadays there's got to be tournaments that have the top fifty there, more or less. I mean, Evo, you probably have at least one a year that gets close. But for the time, certainly in that five-year window, I bet we didn't have another one because after that we it kind of fractured and no FC didn't end up the default major anymore by virtue of Ken kind of starting his own series and MLG coming on the scene. So even after that. Diamond was huge and it pulled in a ton of people, but even then it was still probably weaker on the West Coast. Tournament on the regional crew, though, I would be remiss if I didn't know that the Midwest actually came pretty close to knocking off the West Coast. You, you did, you got so. it. I was, I needed to make sure that got brought up. Thank you. Yes, Two stocks absolutely. or something, right? Because I go it back was, and I look and I go like, wait, no way, Midwest almost beat West Coast. What? We had oh, we always had ten to ten plus in the top thirty-two at FCs, and that's yeah. not just because. It was in the Midwest. Like we had, we had tons of legit players. We were, we were legit players. I have to remind people sometimes. We beat a lot of people that people think are good nowadays. We beat a lot of those people, and we're thinking, oh, we don't get remembered for that. But we both won regionals and got a few decent placings and top tens at MLGs, and you know, we got our we got our, our history under our belts too. So yeah, we had a lot of good players. I still resent being left off FC six. We gave Dreffin the captainship, and he left me off. We'll for captainship back from him when he. Who did he? I almost yanked it back. I was like, "No, you're you're crazy." He put me in as a substitute against the international crew, and I took like 13 stocks. I was so pissed off. But they, uh, <laughs> and the, and then one of the guys in the international crew came back for FC Diamond, and he beat. I was screwing around. I like used Falco as the secondary just for fun in my third round. He like absolutely. He he JV forward me in a three stock game. We did three stock in pools that year for times purposes. He he actually JV forward me. And he said, I've been waiting to beat you since that match last year. I didn't realize he was on that crew. Like, he was one of the ones I beat. I like three-stocked him. He <laughs> played Falco. Seeing too much red when you were slaughtering an entire crew. <laughs> so I pulled Falco out in game three. And he just for like, I mean, I, I played Falco as a secondary. By that point, I really didn't. But I, I was, it was pools. And I was just kind of screwing around, whatever. And uh, and he JV <laughs> forward me. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was good. It was a good moment. I was, I was happy for him. That was, yeah. that was fantastic. That it was Bam. Bad. Bam from Canada. I think he actually played for like three or four more years. He played past the Brawl era, I think, quite a bit. But him and V-Wins. I played V-Wins at Diamond too. He was pretty good. Anyway, so I forget where we were going with all this, but uh, crew battles were, were fantastic. Midwest was good. I hope they're still good. I'm not – maybe we're on for a renaissance. I've, I've still been forever disappointed that Indiana specifically and also the Midwest at large has seemingly fallen off a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ginger comes to mind. A lot of people say Ginger's top 10, and that's Michigan. So yeah, I think he is. Yeah, Ginger's Ginger's great. I love watching Ginger play. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. We I still watch a decent amount. I don't watch a lot of live tournaments. So I do watch a couple. I watch one probably every two or three months. I pop on a live tournament for a while, but certainly watch the highlights and occasional match from time to time, and even the stream every now and again. But well, here's about, my old man. Uh, sorry, I will ahead. say it. As, 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 here's my old man soapbox for that. These darn tournaments need to end before like midnight or 1 a.m. because some yes. of us have kids yes. and some of us have jobs. Yes. <laughs> and if we want to be mainstream esports, these tournaments got to end in prime time. <laughs> mm. Good luck with that one. I don't. I don't think you're getting any backing. 
Dang it. Jeff's Jeff's older than I am in that sense, at there's, least. There's he three of us early. here. I mean, we all are in agreement. Like, be done by nine. I mean, come on. I mean, it's I not know, just about... You don't go you to bed go at nine. You have to go to bed, like, after you're done. And, like, I'm too just, amped up. Yeah, no, there's the hour of cool down, too. After yeah, the hour of cool down. Exactly. I mean, you look at football and baseball and sports, and they're all ending in prime time as well. And, yeah, I can go as late as 1030 or 11. But, I mean, anything later than that, they don't show because you lose viewers. So I do think there's wisdom there. You don't uh, watch sports either. Uh, don't talk about sports as you're sports. I watch you know, football. I watch football. I watch Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. We watch Notre Dame. Two <laughs> Notre Dame grads. No, I'm sure they play at prime time at some point. So there you go. <laughs> yep. No, so what about what about Riptide though? That was the first major back from from COVID, and that was in Ohio, and a lot of cool Midwest talent showing up to that event. I think that, uh, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I, I think that a lot of um, a lot of good showing, not from just like ginger but there was also like a falco player named flash who also almost made top eight that's a, that sort of thing based out in ohio so ibdw ended up beating club to win the tournament but we're able to follow along with that or what would you say was the last live tournament you were able to sort of catch a little bit of well actually the last term i tuned into was an ultimate tournament i'm trying to remember the last melee turn well i, I watched um, a lot of the smash summit that uh mango won yep I was say smash yeah, summit is usually the one i'll try to tune into yeah summit's fun yeah. Yeah. I don't watch all three days or however long it goes for. We we actually <laughs> were joking about we need to buy one of those passes. I don't know how to get one of those passes because I think don't they sell attending passes? Yes, they call them VIP passes. I Echo Storm, who's a um, a mutual of mine on the internet, as you say, a friend, uh, got one of those to to Smash Summit Eleven. I was so jealous. I was like, yeah, this is like easily. I have no best. idea. Is it a raffle? How do you? I mean, do you even? You just have to. You just have to be there as soon as they go live. It's like registering uh, for a tournament wow. like Genesis. As soon as the registration goes live nowadays, a lot of people tend to get in line as fast as they can because. Of, there's usually like a cap accounting for safe distancing for you know COVID sure. and stuff. But yeah, for Summit 11, I remember when they said, hey, the pass is going to go live at this time on this day and you better be ready to go when they drop because there's only like 15 of them or something. And it was cool that somebody that I knew was able to do that and I got to talk to them about it, all that fun stuff. I would love to go. We got to do that. Someday. It's a that would be That would be a blast. Just for the pass, it's a thousand for the pass at least. I think something like that. That doesn't surprise me, but that is a lot of money. But that's, I don't know. That's kind of the Super Bowl, right? Isn't that the Super Bowl? It is. It is one of the. I mean, it's Genesis and Summit, right? Oh, and the Big House. Those are the three. Yeah. Like you want to at least get there at some point. Like I want to get to all three of them at some point down the line. But you know, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We went to Big House Seven. Was the last one we went to Big House Seven, and both of us made the second day. I looked at your yeah. bracket today. I actually. didn't expect Jeff to make second day, but he did. <laughs> I worked really hard because I worked, you got, <laughs> I you worked started... on a sheet on Sheik for that tournament. Where I practiced online for like weeks, months, a couple months. I practiced for that. Starting off in the second day, Tim, you actually got two would by Borp. I don't know if you recall. I that. did. Yep. No, no, I do recall it because the, there was a massive crowd watching because everybody thought this is going to be spectacular. It's Borp, the old style, style old old school style versus Kiss Prime, the actual old school, and and those games were super close. Like you I should have won one of them. You should have won. Both, yeah, the one of them I think he came back from being like sixty or seventy percent down to win, uh, and the other one was super close too. I'm disappointed it didn't go to a third game. Uh, I don't. I didn't remember that specifically. That hadn't. But yeah, it was a really close set, and uh, 
it was it was a lot of fun to play him though because for sure he he plays a, a mental game that was fun to just uh go up against mind games we're, we're from the era of mind games right oh, yeah. and we i've i even when i was when when slippy first came out and i was playing online with some people and i ran into a guy um stock money do you know who he is yes i've had stock money on the show friend of the program okay there you go. He's T.O. I talked to him a little bit afterwards, but even even after that match with him, he's like, man, you're like your mind games. You don't know what you're doing, like technically, but your mind games are so good. <laughs> you're winning on neutral alone. It's like, well, yeah, that's what we do back in the day. Everybody, everybody kind of writes off the old players. And that's like the thing is certainly like we would have to practice to get back in technical shape and it would take a long time to catch up to that aspect of things. But just yeah. the raw neutral aspect of things like. That never goes away to some extent. And even when you saw Ken try and come back and do things, he was never, he, I don't know how seriously he took it to try and get back up, but he was getting top 30, wasn't he? When uh, he yeah. was like in the midst of his peak of trying to come back and do some of those other things. And, and Slippy, I see Ken on Slippy sparingly, and he's complaining about oh, yeah. playing on like a third party controller, but he's still getting Ken combos against people on unranked. Still. Sure. So it's still there. And then he complains still, about yeah. his hands. It's it's all it's super fun to watch for that reason. Why am I not surprised? The entire the entire <laughs> the entire culture comes back. He brings the entire old school culture back with him as he's playing on Slippy. It's awesome to watch. <laughs> I don't know if I would choose Ken to represent old school culture, but that's okay. We'll uh, we'll go with that. I was, uh, I was playing Ultimate online, and I played against a guy named Nick Riddle. If you happen to know who that is, I just randomly found him, did a best of three uh, Bowser Ditto. I think I actually ended up winning both of them. But I was like, that that name kind of like strikes me as I, I Googled it. And he uh, he's Esam's older brother. And and he happened to be streaming. And so I pulled up his stream and rewound and watched him play my match. And he was complaining about like right as soon as we got into the match, he was like, oh, Kish Squared. I think this is an old school Smash player. And as he was playing, he was like, Oh, these old school Smash players—they're way too patient. They're way too patient. They know, like, they're—they're just—you just baiting me out and baiting me out, and talking about old school Smash players and this and that. It was so funny. (laughs) Yeah, just happened to randomly find each other on Ultimate, but I can't believe an Ultimate player would complain about patience because that game is a little bit slower. It's just a thought. It's neutral. I mean, that's 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 neutral, and yeah, Ultimate was only slower. I don't know. Ult- I mean, obviously, ultimate is slower. That's not that's not debatable. Slower but, uh, ultimate, like literally, like your running speed is slower per se. Yes. Your, your launch speed is maybe slower, but it's. I love I love ultimate. Uh, as Tim said a few times, I've played ultimate a lot. Um, ultimate, I love it too. That's yeah, they did a really they they did a fantastic job of finding a movement system that works well that isn't wave dashing and wave landing. Um, I do think if they had added wave landing in, like that's to me is just like the oh, it would have been the chef's kiss of like finally <laughs> embracing the melee movement in a modern Smash game. Um, they just sort of it seems like they intentionally didn't add it in just for the sake of sticking it to melee, not to have wave dashing. Um, <laughs> because it's there, you just kind of go and like you move a little. There's bit. a startup yeah. delay. You don't slide. Yeah. You don't need wave dashing in mail or in ultimate because you can just do anything out of a run, which I absolutely love. I mean, I think that's better than melee's, um, you know, just anything you do out of a run. Melee's just extra inputs to the same thing, basically. Yeah. That's how all of them were. And so I, I yeah, it's a fantastic. I can dash backwards and then tilt the other direction in ultimate. And it, so it's a great movement system. Um, it is a little bit, if you play them side by side, yes, it's slower, but it's not brawl slow. It's not right. smash four. Very fast-paced game, but I hate platforms and ultimate because it's just very everything. Movement is 
Everything in Melee's movement is so perfect for platform fighting. And that's where Ultimate really fails for me, more so. Because I do love Ultimate, but boy, I just just don't know what to do with platforms. They just get in the way of everything and aren't easy to work around. You can only play on Final Destination so many times. That's right. (laughs) Well, I mean, is that really true, though? I mean, you know. I love Final Destination, I do. (laughs) East Coast, you know, the rule set, originally we had the East Coast or West Coast, and then... FC was where I merged the rule sets more or less because East Coast wanted to just do Final Destination for all the tournaments. They did. They went no items, Final Destination for a long time. I say a long time. It was probably six to eight months of like that was the culture for a little while. They were trying to do it. It was between Game Over and FC3. I think it was Fox only, right? Fox only, no items. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they banned all the other characters too. (laughs) The West Coast was playing with items still at the time. And so it was the Midwest and, and had a much wider stage list than the east coast had they were still only banning a few stages like three or four stages so fc3 is fc1 actually it was when we kind of put up the ship rule set and that was pretty much the default all the way through the the thing there were there were tweaks and modifications and mostly bans over the next four years but it was pretty much that same system of you've got your random stage on neutral you've got a certain collection of stages to go to that you have the counter picks beyond those and then we did an, at fc1 we actually kept items on for pool play too yeah mm-hmm. because nobody was eliminated so hey might as well test skill with items at, in that point nobody was eliminated so. there are a lot of tournaments that ran items in pools for a little while there i would say within three I don't to remember. seven yeah, i don't remember other ones some of your moves too might have had items on in pools or at least one did for sure they went away very soon after fc3 altogether that was or fc1 altogether they were long gone by fc3 yeah. uh, but the and just that, that was a merge and also what east coast was team attack off yeah team attack off and items when items were on we turned off like starmen and some of the more like considered cheap ones mushrooms uh various items the it mushrooms was wrong it was really more like you wanted like star rods and and mushrooms uh, were absolutely on. have you heard iggy complain about his loss to me at x-nexus 2 they were on or that early, yes, they were on. But like by the time we got to FC, like oh, some of those that. items were on. Either I way, I can't remember items list from 2004. Saying, although I will at Nexus Two, Reciferous got a Starman in my match. Okay, oh, so definitely no. I was garbage at the time because we even turned stars off at home, even though we left most of the other items on. So I don't know why stars were on. And Jeff would have beaten Eddie if he'd known Ganon didn't grab you off the ledge. All this matchup knowledge we didn't have because there was no online and no nothing. And speaking true. of online, no, I wanted to make sure I asked you specifically, Jeff, like when Slippy drops, like you're already deep into the coding of this of this game of yours and trying to figure out online capabilities, which I believe Mega Man Arena has, right? Right. Yep. So like yep. your 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 thoughts about it or impressions when it first dropped. Oh, you know, nothing short of remarkable what they did. Um I very uh very well understand what it takes to make rollback work because I got about halfway into coding it for Mega Man Arena and I'm probably going to uh, abandon ship just because of how much time and effort it will take to put it into a game that really wasn't designed for it. So for them to do that to Melee is just incredible, especially when you're not dealing with the source code directly. So I don't exactly know what voodoo they used for it. Um, I did actually jump into the Slippy Discord and had a, a some minor back and forth with some of the developers about their netcode, um, just kind of kind of trying to pick their brains about a couple of things. But um, yeah, I mean, it's no sim- it's no small task to do it. Um, Delay based netcode itself is a phenomenal tool. It's it's impressive how effective net based or um, delay based netcode can be. And so when you add rollback into it, I will say this. 
I do think people make too big of a deal out of rollback at times. Rollback does come with some drawbacks that people don't understand, um, but it definitely makes it a smooth experience, which is what you prioritize in Melee more than anything else. So and it's not a perfect fit for every like game. But teleporting, is that what you're referring to? Or what would you say yeah, would be like drawbacks? Artifacting, and it doesn't, even if you have a super laggy, like it only can account for so much lag. And so you're really saying, okay, I've got a really smooth experience with delay based here. Then I've got this lag zone where rollback will help, but it introduces artifacts. And then you've got the, you might as well not even bother playing with each other. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, melee absolutely should have rollback. A lot of fighting games should, but um, I hear rollback being tossed around as if it's like going to miraculously cure various things, even like ultimate, like now ultimate has other problems with its net code that rollback wouldn't help with, for example, but like the fact uh, there's like seven frames of input delay without online giving involved. Yeah, or, yeah, they Windows they introduced. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't, if uh, yeah, you probably don't know this, but I'm actually a network engineer by trade. I actually do online IT training for networking, and so I've I've spent my entire adult life in the Cisco, you know, kind of this telecommunications world, and so I, I do understand how bits and bytes and packets flow in a network, and so when we talk about some of these. Uh, net code kind of concepts. It's really fun to actually see the application of that. Um, and I think it does help to understand some of the background knowledge when you're really under investigating what exactly these different types of code coding can do a net code, I suppose. But yeah, I'd love to finish out rollback. But to, to your original point, I mean, Slippy coming out with rollback on a game that was never designed for it. I, I can't imagine number one, the coding effort, and number two, the testing effort that they had um, because I haven't heard of many bugs. I mean, I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure they've addressed a lot of them, but like the, the experience from day one was pretty darn good. Very the, impressed. The thing that there I was see that day where all those old stages came back on again. That yes. was, that was, that was a bug they had to address. That was, <laughs> say that again. That what? <laughs> it was on a, it was April fool's day. Yes. Oh yeah. That. They turned on all the old stages again. I played a lot of slippy that night and I won a lot of games on stages. <laughs> fantastic oh, i want i want a lot of games on poke floats i'm just going to tell you right now yeah <laughs> back yeah. in my there's <laughs> no there is no shame in that no it's with i i love what you said about like it's not like the end all be all because uh there, there's been people who have kind of come out of the woodworks and said oh slippy's not like <clears throat> not super working and then you figure out they're either not using the ethernet cord or they're using an awful laptop or they're trying to play somebody across the world and so yes to your point it's not like the uh the, the magical fix um but like I'll, I'll just hear different things throughout you know the months the years like it's something like nickelodeon all-star brawls where somebody says this is pretty good rollback neko but I, some it doesn't feel quite right i mean I, I played this person in melee and it felt fine but now i play them in nickelodeon all-star brawls and something feels off and i'm just going like nickelodeon all-star brawl was made with rollback in mind and how is that even possible <laughs> that melee got such like good coding but it's thanks to fizzy I will say I'm playing Mega Man Arena online too, because I play with people in Europe, South America. I mean, it's got a pretty global presence, which is really fun. I can, I, I can have the best games with people who are across the sea. And then I try to play somebody who's inland America with me and the lag is abysmal. And the reason uh, you pointed it out already, the, the vast majority of the time when you have that bad of lag, somebody has a really bad Wi-Fi connection. Or, or just an unstable Wi-Fi connection, which, frankly speaking, is every Wi-Fi connection. I mean, Wi-Fi, again, knowing how Wi-Fi works, I, I spent three, my first three years of networking was focused on wireless 
um, communications. And it's basically just spray and pray. You know, you're just throwing bits <laughs> out there and hoping that it comes that, that the access point comes back. It's, you know, collision avoidance techniques, they call them to, to try not to interfere with other wireless devices. I don't know about you, but I pull up my, my home Wi-Fi stuff and like, there's like 25, 30 devices on my Wi-Fi. Are you kidding me? And that's having kids partially, but uh, yeah, like even if I'm sitting right next to my wireless router, there are going to be packets that are dropped just because first of all, it's a freaking miracle that wireless even works. Like you want to talk about science. Um, so we should all it's be like grateful a bumblebee for flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how does this even happen? Right. Um, but the, uh, at the same time, like it just understand it's a very lossy technology. And so if you're going to play melee online, rollback is great, but rollback can't fix your bad Wi-Fi. And so you need to, yeah, as much as anything, I mean, with Mega Man Arena, the solution has always been, Hey, plug into the router directly if you can, or, or switch or whatever you're connecting. That's on delay based. We have, we, our champions have been from Poland, Spain, United States, and Brazil. And everybody plays against each other in tournament. And there's only one or two players that have ever had a connection that was too laggy to play. Like even like with yeah, like a with little the, bit, the even with a little bit of lag. Yeah, delay based, and and the game has no native input lag. Like you know, like Ultimate again introduces like something like seven frames, even in offline matches, it's yes. seven frame yeah. delay to try to make up for online lag. Which is actually, I will give them credit for that. I do think that's clever. I think seven is too high. But at the same time, it's it is a clever way of doing it because the human brain doesn't really notice at least five frames. Not you know maybe seven's too much again. But all that to say, yeah, I mean if you're having problems with your with anything, like always try to hardwire. Wireless is purely for co convenience. It's not for stability. Um, the speeds are there. It can wireless speeds can fly, but the latency is the problem. And the latency can definitely, especially with dropped packets, just make it so that you can't play with people. So, yeah. And if you want more lessons like this, go to Jeff's Twitch or, you know, various channels and learn more about networking. And, uh, and I you know, I'll just teach on Twitch for a while. Yeah, that's fine. Insert a random tangent here that I'm sure Jeff and I both would volunteer any help to anybody in the community who would want to pursue a path. My, my area of domain is more data science and data analysis uh, and getting into some internal consulting kind of work and pieces like that. And if anybody out there in the community would want to talk to either of us about what we do, like, by all means i'd love it's Very my dream to someday get somebody a job somewhere you know like that would be <laughs> fantastic to help out you know if you're interested in any of those careers happy to talk about either of them hit us up on twitter or whatever that's amazing i think that's about as good as way to end because i have like a thousand more questions but there's always more melee to be played there's more podcasts in the future down the line we'll see maybe we can come back in a year to celebrate 21 or something but let's let's talk a little bit about where the people can find you a little bit more specifically like uh like a twitter or, or handles that we can drop in the description of the video or the description of the podcast episode if you're listening audio or video however you're doing it so for you kish prime tim where can the people find you Twitter's fine, Kish underscore Prime. I'm usually around. I'm not a huge tweeter, but I do, from time to time, partake. And uh, I don't, I don't really have any other public connections at the moment. Just you know, if you pop in the Mega Man Arena Discord, I guess that's about the extent of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me, it's. Uh, I mean, Twitter's the best way to reach out at Kish Squared. Um, Prime has an underscore. Yeah. Uh, between Kish and Prime, um, because somebody else has Kish Prime for some reason. Somebody in Sweden stole it and has tweeted like one time ever and doesn't even use it. I'm so grouchy. 
They want they want a little bit of the yeah. I'm sure they're making so much money off my name. I mean, they're waiting for you to be the person who's helping them make so much money off of your name. Maybe, maybe um, I, they they have not approached my people yet, but maybe when they do. We'll talk. <laughs> um, if you happen to love old school Mega Man and you're interested in a fighting game that is very heavily influenced by Melee, then check out MegamanArena.com or at MegamanArena on Twitter. Um, yeah, there's a Discord link at the top of the website there. Um, Tim mentioned the book series that we work on together. That's uh, a, lot, a lot of those are coming out uh, soon, very soon. The first two are already out on Amazon. You can search for uh, Jeff Kish, and the series is called Runix, R-U-N-I-C-S. Uh, if you like Swords and Magic, it's uh, with, you know, some naming things that are in there that are based off of Smash as well. I try to uh, get my <laughs> inspiration from various places. There may or may not be a couple of towns named Fox and Bowser, uh, just slightly held. Uh, I don't know if Tim, if you've ever noticed, I'm sure you've noticed. I have never noticed that. That's very cool. You're, you're thinking. You're, I know you think I'm joking. I, I've never noticed oh, that you did. That. Oh, you've never actually noticed that. Wow. All nope. right. So I did. He doesn't use the same spellings. So yeah. Um. So yeah. Hit us up again. As, as Tim said, we um we're we're very approachable. I think it's not like there's a lot of people reaching out to old school smashers. So it's nice okay. to hear every now and again from somebody who might have a question or. Just want to say hi or play Smash online for that matter. So, yep. And if you want to also see what the latest and greatest new generation of up and coming Kish is, there's also Kish Shark as well, YouTube channel that I'll try to link yep. al along as well for anybody who wants to check that out. That, yep, absolutely. If you like Gorilla Tag VR, he's, he's making quite a bit of content on that game. It's a very fantastic game, by the way. You should check it out if you have an Oculus or any VR, I guess. Very cool. All right, so one more time to both of you. Thank you so much for joining me on Bottom Smash Mountain. Happy anniversary to Melee. This will be coming out probably sooner than the actual anniversary anniversary date, but either way, I really appreciate both of your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us, Jesse. Yep, thanks for having us. Happy anniversary, Melee.